Hi, I'm Dee Wallace, and you're listening to the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm excited. I'm sorry. I picked this topic. I love this movie. That's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. And it still affects me just the same. I cannot put that on. I gotta tell you, something about this movie worked for me. I was oh, like, it rocked. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's debatable. But, I mean, it's a great movie. That You know, I, it's my right as a viewer, as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films, to have my opinions and be disappointed. But that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now is that on so many pages <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then I mean it, it's it's almost inevitable that uh, you know half the time we're going to go you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I'm sorry but that's Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast. And now here are your hosts. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back for another episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I always having some laughs and getting tickled here and having a good time in Muncie, Indiana. <laughs> so, tickles. Um, hey, I'm one of your hosts. I am Grizzly Adler, and I'm joined by Magic Professor Wagstaff. Good to be with you again, friends, as we delve into another episode of the Monster Mash. Can we stop numbering these things already? I wasn't even going to try. I think we're up to 112 now. <laughs> they work out best for us, though, man. Yeah. I like the matches. No, it'd be good Like if we could have kept with numbers like when we got to like 23. We could have done like Michael Jordan horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, we got Space Jam and Space Jam. Oh, man. Oh, boy. That, that was a bad joke. All right. <laughs> Moving right along here, so we're we're on a new it's episode. Of the might leave the series. Like, <laughs> Somebody just more. turned off this episode. <laughs> um, all right, let's go around and let's talk about what we picked and why. Yeah, good idea. Imagine. Um, I picked a movie called Brain Scan. It was something that I saw in my youth and kind of stuck with me. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about why later. I mean, okay. it, it, there was a lot. The character. I really got into the character. I liked his whole story. I liked the the aspect of it, of what it's about, and video games and horror. It was just a compilation of everything that I was into at the time, and I was the appropriate age, I think, for that movie. So I really enjoyed it. Cool, cool, Professor. Uh, I picked Tourist Trap from 1979. Uh, I picked it just because uh, it has a decent cult following. It's kind of one of those ones that uh, many, including myself, consider underrated for its time. Um, and it's just one that I didn't know if you guys had seen, and even if uh, you had, maybe listeners hadn't. Okay. So, worth mentioning. Cool. I picked Body Bags. Yeah. Uh, everybody knows that I'm a sucker for anthology films, and I'd heard a lot about this one. And then one day, Carrie was like, hey, Scream Factory put out Body Bags, and I bought it. I said, have you seen it? She's like, no. But I, but then I watched it, and it was good. And I said, well, bring it over. I want to see it. What's the deal? So, uh, I wanted to see body bags, so I picked body bags. And can I just say, I'm glad we're covering it, because when we did the Carpenter episode, I think 
maybe two people were asleep when we talked about this, <laughs> and I think I was the only one at the time who had yeah, watched I did, it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't pay much attention to yeah, it, because I think I was gone. bragging right rights for me. I just remember no, thinking, yeah. oh, man, this is kind of a shame. You're so cool, Brewster. <laughs> <laughs> just because it, it seemed like a fun one to cover, so I'm glad yeah. we are now. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, I, I really do. I think at, at that point, I was pretty out of it yeah. mentally. I think so. we had recorded like 17 episodes that day. <laughs> yeah. we were well, we were new. Massive we were still ones, young, too. man. Yeah. We got this now. Yeah. Cool. All right, Mad Chan, where will we begin? Um, let's go ahead and start with Taurus Trap. Get that out of the way. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Uh, Taurus Trap, 1979, uh, directed by David Schmoller and written by David Schmoller and uh, J. Larry Carroll, starring Chuck Connors. Yes, you heard me right, folks. Chuck Connors. For all you uh, senior citizens out there, people in <laughs> nursing homes are listening to us right now, the gunman. Um, and then uh, Jocelyn Jones, John Van Ness, Robin Sherwood, and uh, the Tanya Roberts. You know who uh, you know who recognized Chuck Connors immediately? Gary? Nope. Our senior citizen friend of the show, Vinny Lanford. <laughs> of course he did. He was like, that's the gunman. That's the gunman. I've been watching the gunman for a hundred years. <laughs> I just I just I saw that and it was so weird because uh my aunt was like, What are you watching? I was like, uh Taurus Trap? Never heard of it. And I was like, Oh, she's like, that guy looks familiar. Is that Chuck Connors? I was like, yes, it is. <laughs> and she proceeded to tell me about Chuck Connors. And I was like, you know way too much about this guy. Yeah. He's, he's the rifleman. Right. The, the rifleman. I'm yeah. sorry. The rifleman. Oh, see, I'm sorry. Oh. Our, our resident senior citizen. <laughs> Just saying. You anger the old sorry, people. You got to at least sorry. get it right while you're doing it. No, no, I didn't mean sorry. anything, old people. We love you. Without you, there would be no movies like this to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so who of us, you want me to lay down the synopsis? Oh, no, yeah, please, please. Okay, um, so basically, I had actually had already acquired this mm-hmm. um, before you announced it because I was looking at lists of uh, hillbilly horror stuff. Yeah. Because uh, I'm, I'm working on just some hillbilly horror things like lists and movies and things I want to watch and ideas and things like that. And so um, I had got this off of that list, and... I would definitely put this in a hillbilly horror sort of thing um, because the point is uh, these these young folks, their car breaks down and uh, they basically um, have to find help to get it going again because this is before cell phones and before things like that. And so um, they find this old man who's got a, it was, was it a gas station? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a gas station and An sort attraction, of a, yeah. attraction, a tourist trap, a tourist if trap. you will. It was kind of a moving wax museum, which was interesting, like yeah. a robotic wax museum. No, Professor, what what was the way you put this? This is what the uh, the House of the Wax remakes ripped off. Yeah, this House of Wax, everybody, you know, it's a remake horror, but it was yeah. of this, not House of Wax. Right. Like if you go back and watch House of Wax with Vincent Price, it's a completely different film, whereas this mirrors right exactly in many ways. You know, yeah, the little town, the tourist trap, yeah. the, the people, the yeah. So I, I thought that was an interesting way when you, because it wasn't until you said, I, like, I wrote that right here, and my exact note, and I'll get into that real quick, is this movie felt very House of Waxian. Yeah. That's my note, and then you said that, and I was like, oh my goodness, he's so right. Yeah. I, I, yeah, oh my goodness. Oh my God, I'm so old. <laughs> but go, I'm sorry. I just wanted to, that analogy to be brought up, because I thought that was very on key. Yeah. If you wanted to know the feel of this movie without seeing it, that's a good analogy. Right. So, I mean, we just get that creepy feel from the beginning because of the figures in this this attraction. And, 
the guy's talking about his wife has died and his brother has gone off to the big city and he's the one who used to make these. And now he's here all by his lonesome, just yeah. holding down the fort. Him and Davy Crockett. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and as you can imagine, because this is a horror podcast, hijinks ensue. Yes. Yes. Um, where, where should we take it from there? Um, I'd like to point out that this is a PG-rated horror film. Yes. And for those of you that are wouldn't want to give it a chance based upon that, I want to remind you that Jaws, Poltergeist, Salem's Lot, Ghostbusters, It's Alive, Gremlins, and Twilight Zone, the movie, mm. were all PG-rated horror movies. So don't let that don't let that dissuade you from watching this. I just want to point that out first. And somebody else, go ahead. That's a nice comparison. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even realize it was rated PG. Yeah. It was a, uh, they opted, they wanted it to be an R. Yeah. There's just nothing to make it an R. Like it didn't have over the violence. It didn't have the blood. It didn't, it didn't have things that would make it an R rated. It didn't have nudity. It didn't have, you know. Yeah. So it got a PG and he thought that uh, the director thought that the PG rating would hinder the movie a lot. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Initial thoughts. Professor, this was your pick. Why don't you throw some yeah, out for yeah. us there? Um, I will say this. Um, I This go-around, I was less forgiving on some of uh, the more supernatural, far-fetched angles that happen in it. Okay. I, I think when I initially watched this, I glossed over it because I was so enthralled with like the first half of the film that I watched that some of those things really didn't matter to me. They still don't in the overall scheme of things because... The purpose of watching this film for what you enjoy it for, the, the stuff with like telekinesis and some of this stuff, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it's just, it's there. It's it's kind of, you know, a mistake to me, uh, but it it doesn't affect the movie as a whole. But that's that's my biggest problem with it is it kind of veers off into some weird angles with that stuff that I do yeah. think kind of hurts it and kind of takes viewers out of it for some, which I'm guessing was both of you. Uh, if you weren't that crazy about it, I'm sure maybe that was a part of it. But Don't paint me with that brush, sir. <laughs> but for me, initially, where this movie dates back to, uh, I would say maybe five years ago, I was reading um, Stephen King's uh, Dance of a Cobb, and he talked about this movie, because I didn't know about it. I mean, it was obviously before my time, mm -hmm. and it's not categorized as just you know top-tier horror classic. And so the way he described it, I had to watch it, because he just went on and on about the suspense and how effective some of the way they did things were, but that it was lumped in, you know, into the slasher era when that was getting going, but that it was a much more patient film. Um, and I agree with a lot of that, 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 that I, I think that's why it's effective in so many of those scenes um, that it just, it has so much going for it in terms of like the effort with like the score that was done. Cause it's a Charles band production before, <laughs> Charles Band became fully what he was. Right. Charles Band became but, Charlie Band. <laughs> yeah, but so this is early on. His I think it was yeah. his brother that scored it. It's got a it's got a great score that's very effective and ominous at times, and then goofy at others. The score feels like an Italian horror film. Yeah, it's got. There's a lot going on with that. Um, the director who went on to do a lot of cool stuff, like you know, I mean, I got him jot down here: Crawl Space, Catacombs, Puppet Master. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like I don't know. It just seemed like there was enough historically for the genre if nothing else that it was fun to cover for um but yeah that's that's kind of just my overall feeling on the movie and and why i picked it and kind of it i will say the reviewing of it for this episode i was less knocked out with it than i was the initial time yeah so yeah that's kind of where i stand with it at this point 
Okay. I mean, we'll go more into it, but right. Full thoughts. Yeah, man, it was a movie, dude. Um, I like <laughs> movies. Uh, I like horror movies. Uh, I like Tanya Roberts. I think she's amazing. Um, for those of you who have never seen her great work in that 70s show, she plays Big Breast and Midge, and pretty much the same character in this movie in 79, so I'd like to think a whole, not a whole lot's changed. She was a Charlie's Angel, so I don't know, man. This movie is just, I think it did fall short because of that, and you're right. I just, I'm watching the movie, and things are happening, and I give it up to the fact that this guy's a great with wax works. He's great with motors because he says it my brother was great with motors and and gears and making things move but then the supernatural aspect of it like people are getting choked out with things where there's no wires and i i at that point i was like i i wasn't as invested in it yet i was letting it try to suck me in so my exact note is um is this a supernatural movie how did the bandana choker am i missing something because I didn't know, it was like, was that set up and I didn't see it? Like, so when the supernatural thing started happening, I was like, okay, so there's, I, I, it doesn't have to be always, but I mean, it was like, there's no blood, there's no guts, there's no gore, there's no real violence, there's no, like, nothing scary had happened yet, and now the supernatural. So I was just, I think I was just, maybe I wasn't in the right frame of mind. Mm. And I'm just, I'm trying to be honest here because. That's what it was for me. I didn't know if this was supposed to be all these things were coming alive by his, him controlling them or some supernatural force controlling them, or they were alive by motors and and things like he had previously said. So I don't know. I yeah, I want to echo that statement from you that I was not the right frame of mind the first time I watched this because right. I gave it two go rounds. The first time I watched it, uh, I was hanging out with Vinny. We had had some <laughs> to drink. That's an unfair, uh, you know company because he's a hater oh yeah oh yeah you can't sure. like nothing with that man <laughs> hey if anybody finds anything out there that Vinny likes let us know <laughs> so no yeah it was so like we sat there and like i was like oh man this one should be like a fun slasher that's what i thought i was sitting down right, to. it's right. called tourist trap i'd yeah. seen some pictures of it you know it's young people lost in the middle of nowhere and this movie is like a non-slasher slasher Like, it has all the setups, all the scenes, all the chases that would be in a slasher, but it doesn't have the slasher. I mean, it's even, like, you can see parts of, like, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake, the remake, Mm -hmm. like, are echoed directly from the scene. Motel Hell. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. the the, the scene where they're down in the basement, he's got the people (laughs) tied up, and watching them in his little operating room, there's tons of things that were borrowed from this, so you can tell it was an influential movie. Right. Well, and to, I think with the exception of Bay of Blood there really hadn't been gory slashers. Right. I mean, you know, like that was right around the corner too. So, I mean, that's interesting because I think if this would have been made two years later, it probably would have just been a splatter fest. Yeah. But at that point you had what Halloween, which hadn't had an ounce of blood. Yeah. Yeah. There's no blood in Halloween. I think, I think that's the thing. Like you look at Halloween and Michael Myers and this guy, like his mask was his terrifying, you know, like it was scary. He was scary in that respect, but like Michael Myers was this methodic stalker with a big knife. So it kind of gave you this sense of urgency where here he just kind of popped out on chicks Yeah, and they, and if something wasn't going right or they were getting away, something would just happen to them. Like a mannequin would grab them or something would happen. And I'm just like, why? Like, <laughs> how's he controlling this? Yeah. Cause it, to me, it just seemed like he was psychotic. Yeah, for like he killed I'll his say, he killed his wife, he killed his brother. Like he just seemed psychotic to me. And then I was like, well, how's how's he controlling all this? So yeah. I don't know. I th- yeah, the flaws are definitely there more for me this viewing, but I, I still stand by like 
the imagery of those faces and the wigs with him oh, moving around. Are, I mean, that's why very I like the effective movie. Things in this yeah. movie. Oh, I mean, I did. I didn't hate this movie. Oh I just, no, I just yeah. I just didn't like it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's I didn't hate I this movie. No, I just didn't fine. like it. No, no, I'm yeah. with you. I'm with like you. I wanted, like as you said, I wanted to like it. And that's why yeah. I watched it a second time because yeah. I knew that those things were there, the elements were there. But again, the supernatural stuff. It was just, and not that a film can't be supernatural like that. Right. But I like just, supernatural movies. I just yeah, needed a right. little more fleshed out. Yeah. Me. So it's like, I mean, the the eyes on the mannequins moving mm-hmm. i mean so crazy and even like that first guy that gets it like the guy who goes ahead of him with the flat yeah. tire and yeah. like goes in that place and it's so creepy like yeah. there's a lot of creepy stuff in this movie i don't regret watching it one bit but uh yeah, yeah. just not for me you know yeah man my whole note on that is like the whole opening sequence in this room could be scary if you're scared of mannequins and chairs that vibrate back and forth that was it you know, I, like, I, I wasn't I really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if those two things scare you, by all means, this is a horrifying movie. No, but later on, as things got, as things progressed, they kind of got there. And I think the thing that I really liked about this movie, and here it is, haha. No, I think the thing I really liked about this movie was I saw how much it did influence other movies. Yeah. And after, that's why I brought up the House of Wax thing. Yeah. And you said the waxing thing. And I really did draw almost direct parallels from, like, even in like House of a Thousand Corpses or Texas Chainsaw Massacre, those kind of movies because where they've they've got the people tied up and they've got he's got her on there and he, when he's walking around, I love the way he walked around. He was just like, the hot wax is gonna cover your face and you're gonna yeah. like your your heart's gonna explode before you ever die from strangle suffocation. Like and that, that's kind that's of stuff. Scary. I was like, oh, right on, yeah, dude. Like the they had lots of stuff. Creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for me, like one of the main reasons I wanted to watch this. Uh, on the show to cover and i think it's interesting is i really feel like this truly more than anything inspired motel hell mm. because like you have it even down to the male lead being handpicked from western tv yeah. <laughs> from 20 years before and, yeah. and much of the bizarre reasoning for what we're watching you know they're obviously much different stories but a lot of that's going hand in hand with Motel Hell, which I think came out one year after this. Mm. So I don't know. I didn't look it up. I don't know if this was successful at all. But I would imagine I if it see. was, somebody said, this actually is like this idea I had. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we so get a, we I just think there's interesting studio. comparison to have with that film in particular. We get a lot of that out of studios now where they're just like, oh, they're making a, a disaster movie. We need to make a disaster mm-hmm, movie. Or right. they're making a... Uh, this kind of movie we need to make one of those it could have literally just been timing we finished our our little tourist trap movie first before they finished their motel hell movie. yeah you see what I'm saying? that's just right. like my own little nerdy obsession because horror since its inception has always copied itself oh mm-hmm. yeah definitely. and so i think it's fun to just kind of compare that there but yeah I, I, i'm gonna seek the the support of some listeners to see if some others like this or if i'm just nuts <laughs> no, no, I don't think you're nuts at all, man. It wouldn't have got it. Honestly, here's the way I look at these things. Ever since we've been doing this, if there wasn't support for it, it wouldn't have, and you understand, it wouldn't have a Blu-ray release That's if there true. wasn't support for it. Because there's a lot of great horror movies that I that we seek out, that we cover on this show, that you either can't find, period, or you can only find on DVD. No. Or, you know, and this thing has a, a, a legit Blu-ray Blu-ray release on it so there's a following out there there's people who enjoy this movie yeah. so no you're not that at all because yeah. i legit bought it on blu-ray and i ordered it and bought it i mean 
Anybody, I can't do that with other things. Anybody special do it on Blu-ray? Was that Arrow or anything? No, I just, I just got a regular old bear. Oh, full, oh, that's it. Of course it's full moon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's obviously had enough of a following <laughs> to get a legit release. Nah. And I know Charles yeah. Mann puts everything <laughs> that he makes out on release. Oh, but... yeah. Well, if it makes money. Right. right. Money, that's man. what I'm so saying. Some, <laughs> yeah, there is something there. Um, well, I appreciate you guys' honesty. I just, yeah, I just want to say for me, and, and this is another thing why I think it may have hit with you more, uh, Professor, is that it did feel very Italian to me. Yeah. The soundtrack. That's a good The point. shots, the, the, the surrealism. Yeah. The surrealism. I think, yeah, yeah the, the, the visuals, like everything about it felt like very much like an the Italian. Killer, the killer. That's a good point. I hadn't really yeah. connected that, but that's definitely there. Yeah. That's because of the way the music works with the suspense. Right. Yeah. I mean, and don't get me wrong, all horror movies do that, but something uniquely about it right. felt like a... Because they get Italian. bizarre with it, like the yes, Italians do. Exactly. Sometimes there'd be almost like this break and make it almost like a humorous uh-huh. tone to it in some of the scenes when you just had like a terrifying segment and then it almost sounds like circus music. Exactly. And, you know, that can be off-putting for a lot of people. For me, I like it because it's like a quick reminder, like, hey, we're having fun. Right. So all, all on, you know, that's subjective, I guess. Yeah. Um, last things I want to say here. Number one, they were drinking hams. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so do I want to spoil it and just say kind of what it is? So basically the, the gist is friends is that he's blaming all these things on his brother. We come to find out that it is in fact, Chuck Connors yeah. doing the killing. Oh, I'm sorry. I gave that away like 10 minutes ago. I didn't mean to. Oh, did you? Okay. It's like he killed his brother and his wife. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, yeah. You did kind of. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was Chuck Connors. Uh, one other thing that is effective is I like his creepy voice when he's running. Yeah, that was yeah, cool. That was oh, I'm going to take care of you now. <laughs> you know, like it was creepy. That was creepy, dude. That was good. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you like that later. <laughs> He's going to be outside the bedroom just like, Chad, I'm coming It'd in. It's funny if this just kept progressing five minutes from now. You guys are like, you know, this. It's actually my favorite movie ever of all time. Uh, I bought three T-shirts over the other day. I did, I, did, I did buy the Blu-ray and a button. <laughs> I got a patch coming too. Yeah, no, the, the vocals were very effective. Yeah. yeah. So even though it wasn't my film, I I could in good conscience recommend this to listeners that are serious enough about their horror films that they want to check it all out. Yeah, if you're if you're scared of mannequins or chairs that rattle by themselves, definitely. Check- <laughs> Check this out. such a jerk. Go, go screw. <laughs> no, my pick wasn't much better. <laughs> no, but oh for legit, like, yeah. yeah, check it out. Yeah, especially if you're interested more historically. There's definitely things uh, there. It's also, uh, you you got to be more of a patient viewer in the sense of, like you addressed earlier, there's not really gratuitous anything. Uh, no, you know no, what I no, mean? Like, you don't no. have the usual tropes that you kind of rely on for that um yeah but yeah the if nothing else i just i do want to hit on one scene that's the thing i always think of is when they're in the hallway i love that scene <laughs> like when they're both like pausing and and it's just dead silence Dude. there's <laughs> no that's funny share what's tickling no, that's you so great because out of tanya roberts just stops at the yeah hallway. she does the, it's like she's playing a statue at the skate she's like well, her hands aren't up like a mime. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, you feel me, though. She yeah. just stops out of nowhere, and he comes out into the hallway and looks at them both and doesn't realize that they're real people. It just keeps going. Yeah. Well, that's what I like about it, though, is that he's so used to being surrounded yeah. by all these mannequins in his little corner of the world that he's got back here. But I thought that the suspense is done really well because you kind of just are holding your breath with him, just waiting for this guy to go nuts. Yeah. You just watch him walk slowly up and down the, the way there. But yeah. I recommend it. Okay. All right. Should we move along? 
Yes. Moving on to Mad Chan's pick. Uh, Brain Scan, 1994. Directed by John Flynn. Written by the great Andrew Kevin Walker of Seven, Sleepy Hollow, and Wolfman fame. Starring Edward Furlong, Frank Langella, Skeletor. Yes, Skeletor. Um, the Trickster is played by T. Ryder Smith. And then we have a couple supporting Amy Hargraves and Jamie Marsh, man. Okay. So, Brain Scan. Uh, initial thoughts. Synopsis or initial thoughts? What should I do first? Um, synopsis? Let's do synopsis. Sure, go ahead. Brain Scan. Uh, basically... Uh, Eddie Furlong and his buddy are like little metalheads and and uh, horror movie guys, like your stereotypical, you know, like West Monster mm-hmm. from the late eighties, early nineties. <laughs> and um, they find out about this video game, and it's supposed to be the scariest game ever. And it, now we've got it's it's very much a period piece. Oh, definitely. Uh, we talked about how it feels a lot like Strange Land because it was also a period piece about the internet and the dangers of the internet and computers. And so they find this ad in the back of Fango for this horror video game. It's supposed to be the scariest thing ever. And it connects to you through the internet and taps into your dreams and nightmares and everything like that. And uh, basically, uh, you know, you, you, you play the killer in the game. And then Eddie Furlong wakes up out of this trance and finds out that someone was murdered. For real. Maybe it wasn't just a video game. <laughs> Initial thoughts. Oh, I, I like this movie. Like I said before, man, uh, these kids were us, and they were us before it was cool. They like horror video. They like horror. They like horror video games. They read Fangoria. They were in a horror club. Like, they were the kind of little outcast. I don't want to say outcast kids, but they were the ones on the cusp, you know? They were the little us, man. And that's what I'm saying. I don't want to say the little us. I can say that now, but at the time... I think that's why this movie hit with me so hard is because I liked all that stuff. Yeah. Like you look around his room and he's got he's got posters for famous horror movies and he's got all this different stuff and he had a badass room for a kid that age, man. Like he had a loft upstairs. They in always the kitchen. did, especially in the nineties. I know, man. right? All us kids in our real rooms are like some bullshit. Yeah, he did right. some dumb shit. <laughs> but um, I really liked it, man, because Michael he's a loner kid, man. He's only got one good friend. Um, he was in a bad accident when he was younger, which we're led to believe that his mother passed away from. He lives with his father, who we see is never around. Never around. So, yeah. I mean, it just starts off and gives you a really good... It sets you up for a really good horror movie. He has nobody that he personally has to answer to, and he has no real responsibility so that allows him to do all these things. So it's the perfect setup for a horror movie in that respect, because you can go anywhere from that. Cool. Yeah, man. <laughs> I I had fun with this movie. It's uh, it's not something I'm going to run out and buy right away. Oh, I, please! I, I got copies for everybody. Merry Christmas. <laughs> no, but I had fun with it. It uh, like I said, it felt a lot like Strange Land. It had a lot of those good tropes, and it was um, the trickster was great. Uh, Furlong was great in this. I think sometimes Furlong can either be great or he can be awful, and I think this he was good in this. Oh, okay. Um. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. It was a fun ride to take. And, and uh, yeah. Ironically, I hadn't <clears throat> thought of this movie basically since when it came out. I, I want to say I'd never heard of it. Okay. Now, I've never heard of this movie. I hadn't, I loved this movie back then. Um, it was one of those ones I taped off pay per view, I think, and just watched a handful of times. Um, but I hadn't thought of this until <laughs> on uh, Killer POV. 
mm-hmm. the one they always have the guy that's watching older stuff and just random things. And he mentioned that, and I went, "Brain scan! Oh my god, I haven't thought of that in forever." And then you picked it literally within like a week or two after that. I was like, "Cool, like that. That's a good reason to watch it." Um, I liked it back then. I kind of share the same uh, sentiments with Edward Furlong as you. I usually just kind of want him to die in the movies <laughs> I'm watching, but in this one, I didn't. Yeah, back then, and I and still and. I was actually pleasantly surprised with how well this held up because I figured, you know, just with the from the technology standpoint of all the things I'm going to be seeing in this, it's going to look so dated. I'm probably going to be bored. And I wasn't like I had a good time watching it for the show. Yeah. See, we have whole sequences in this. And I think one of the reasons it holds up is we have whole sequences in this where we're in the video game. Right. And we've got this movie coming out called Hardcore Henry. If you guys if you haven't seen the preview, oh, yeah, go out and check wild. the preview. The whole movie shot in first person. Like, this movie was ahead of its time in that respect. Like, the video games we played that weren't even out with, you know, like, maybe you had a Doom or things like that. But, you know, the, the Halo generation wasn't here yet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you the first person, the first person shooter. Right, right. We had maybe Goldeneye. We had, at this time, I'm thinking, maybe uh, we had Goldenstein. Yeah, Doom. things like that. But yeah. we didn't have... It isn't like it is now. So I thought the the first person video game view was awesome. And then the trickster's voice in the background is like, ah, style, time for style points, you know, and blah. I thought that was that was a great touch, man. There was just a lot of things I liked about this movie, man. And I feel like I've had the brain scan nightmare a few times. So I think that's one of the reasons that keeps drawing me back to this. You know, that that you wake up from a dream where you did something wrong or did something awful. And you're like, that didn't really happen. (laughs) Did it? You know, like I've had the brain scan type dream before. So I think that's one thing that keeps drawing me back into this movie, man. This is one of the first ones that I, not one of the first ones, but I mean, it was something I definitely owned and bought on my own on VHS and I've got it on DVD and I've continued to, I've continued to be a part of what I do. So I love it. Cool. Cool. Um, trying to think of what, uh, specifically, I think I think it's very there's very effective use of the crash in the movie. Yes, um, you know, given my history and things like that, there, I mean, some of that stuff was tough to watch, you know. Right. And uh, I think that's why it made Edward Furlong, we, Professor and I, as we said, we were kind of you know love hate for him. I think it's what made him likable in this is because you felt sorry for him because of what it went through. You felt sorry for right. him that his dad was never there, like. He he was a sympathetic character, and he doesn't usually play a sympathetic character. Nah, not really. You know, like he, like in Terminator Two, maybe a little bit, but nah, he was still like that were, jerk. You weren't punk really kid. sympathetic for no. John Connor because no. he was a kid. He was a young kid who had a dirt bike and ran around all day and robbed from credit card machines. Yeah, like you, he was a dirt bag on a dirt bike. He really was, <laughs> yeah. dude. He still is exactly. So he's like, <laughs> he's still. <laughs> so I'm afraid not a few years ago. Nope. <laughs> go for long yeah so no you were really sympathetic to him and i think a lot of it was because <laughs> of that crash sequence um uh let's see here oh when the trickster appears did okay. anyone else feel like we were watching little monsters with howie mandel <laughs> Dude, yes. can I put, that's my note i like the trickster <laughs> character he's a grown-up howie mandel from little monsters is my exact note <laughs> that's exactly that's, what it felt like. like my name's maurice and i'll catch you later just like <laughs> Literally, dude, I felt that way so much. And what was Little Monsters was what a year before this? Ninety four, I think. I don't know. I can't I remember. Know. It was ninety three or ninety four as well. But if it, it felt like it, he looked like him a little mm. bit with the pointy face. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> I enjoyed that, dude. I thought that was great, man. 
I think the one thing I didn't get about this movie is I think I would have been a lot more freaked out if a man would have came out of the TV. Eddie <laughs> yeah. Furlong just kind of sits there like, hey, well, this is on. crazy. <laughs> this guy just manifested himself in, in my room yeah. and he's fucking shit up. But, you know, he didn't care. <laughs> Um, oh, so that th- those are oh, and there's some really awful effects in this movie, but it oh, almost, definitely, definitely. But it man. almost made me like just like when he he breaks his fingers, and he plucks his eye, stabs himself in the eye. Those were the good effects. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. Oh, no, oh man, my bad. Uh, so uh, those are all the notes I have until the, the spoiler. So uh, notes, observations. Uh, it's a very claustrophobic feeling movie like we don't really cover a lot of geography in the oh, film yeah. right. which i think is effective and, and also i mean if you want to get you know kind of stuffy about it it really does kind of echo the teenage experience in a, in a way mm, yeah um, in the sense of like all we know is this neighborhood and this bedroom yeah. and these few people are what are the world to me well, it's um, like that Weezer song in the garage. Yeah, it's like even if they're not trying to accomplish that, it does. Right. Uh, well, I think that was real. I think that was really a point of it because, like, his bedroom is his world, and every time he, every time in this movie, he steps outside of his bedroom, bad things happen. Every single time right. he goes out, the cops are after him. He goes out, he commits a murder. He goes out, he's covering up his tracks. Every time he leaves the sanctity of his his bedroom, bad things happen. That's yeah. his world. So I thought that was neat. Good, good observation. Um, one other thing, and this probably won't be the most popular. I think if the trickster would have been better, this movie would have been bigger. Yeah, I really do. I like he's fine. It's serviceable. Like it, it doesn't make it a bad movie. But right. I feel like if the if the trickster would have been cooler, uh, visually, personality wise, this movie this movie would have been huge. And, and I think that's why I think that's why yeah. it kind of got washed away darker. fairly quickly. You know, from popular opinion, like yeah. people didn't really care about this within a few years after it. It's a good movie, but I think that if the trickster would have been just, I mean, for lack of better terms, cooler, people would still be talking about this movie much more, which is kind of a shame because it's totally worth watching. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's my last note on it's totally worth watching. That's a good note to go out on, man. I just, I enjoyed the movie immensely, even on rewatching it. Uh, I have a note here that says, sorry. I forgot to write notes because I got sucked into the movie because I did. I just, That's good, though. I just stopped and just watched it and didn't write anything down. I was like, I like it that much. Yeah. Like, I got really sucked in, especially that scene where he's trying to cover up his tracks and they're chasing him. Like, mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden you get sucked into that. and It's just, it's good storytelling. And there, there's uh, the guy at the helm of that, man. The guy who wrote it just gives you, you know, like, it's yeah. awesome, dude. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, just to wrap up here, I'll just yeah. tell the listeners, you know, give, I'll give the, the rest of the story. So he, he does go on. And so to, to complete each level, the video game, he has to commit these murders in the game, but come to find out shocker, they're happening in real life. But he's like, I didn't kill anybody. Like he doesn't remember, do, he remembers doing it in the game, but it, he remembers it wasn't him. And so it's sort of playing on reality. Is it true? Right. Is it not? And I want to give the spoiler here because this will prompt a little more conversation. I want right. to ask you yeah. about this. I knew everybody's going to be looking <laughs> at me when it came to this. Because, dear listeners, you know, as I've said many times, I hate it when the end of a movie is, oh, I was the crazy one. You know, yeah. or like some false ending. Um, even though Fight Club, one of my favorite movies, is that ending. And I love it. Um, so we get to the end. Fight Club. 
Um, it was a little movie with Brad Pitt. You good. Heard of no, it. good. Um, so it gets to the end, and Furlong is now in his love interest's bedroom, about to kill her. Yep. Because he's trapped, like he's in the game, but he's not. He's in the game, but he's not. The trickster is telling me he has to do it in order to finish to save her or himself or something say, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he ends up confronting the trickster, and it kind of undoes everything. And like the the cop comes in and shoots him. Yeah. And so the cop comes in, Franklin Jello, shoots him, and he wakes up back in his room. And the, I'm going to tell you that I like the ending. Yeah. yeah. This is going to be a surprise. But I like the ending because it was ambiguous enough to say, was it all a dream or what I believe he beat the game? He beat the game. That's mm-hmm. what it was. So it by was- beating the game, he thus negated mm-hmm. all of the terror, all of the killings. All like, you know, he killed his best friend. He killed a stranger. He was about to kill his love interest. And at the end, his friend comes running up. Yeah, and he's like, is he's fine. outside yelling at him. Yeah, and, and so and so to me, he beat the game. And I thought that was a really clever. Right, ending. right. Very clever. And so that's when, in my head, I was like, this is a good movie. Oh, dude, I love that because he all of a sudden, like, he snaps out of it and wakes up and is like, thank you for playing Brain Scan. Please take a moment of follow these relaxation tips to calm yourself after yeah. playing the game. And you can hear this in the background as he's wrecking his fucking little bedroom. Yeah. And then Kyle's alive and he goes next door to the girl next door. And oh man, like that was so great. But the last little bit with the principal is the icing on the cake. Yeah. The principal who had disbanded his horror club said, Any future movies or video games that you want to show to the club. You have to bring to me first. So now he's going to take him brain scan, and we know the principal's about yeah. to get sucked into this world. And it's like, oh, this is so great. Yeah, I, I like that. I feel like that ending worked so well, even if you typically do not oh, like no, endings no. like that, be, like you, Grizz, yeah, right. uh, because it was such a depressing, painful right. journey on all these things. So it's like, in this instance, you're truly glad. You're like, gave thank you a happy God, ending, man, yeah. that was hard. Um, let me ask you this though. The one thing that I really don't know, and if, if this is part of the ambiguity that you mentioned, so what do you guys think if he doesn't beat the game, what happens? Do you think the, the things he's done stays the way they are? Or do you think he then just gets booted out of it because it is a game that he paid for? I think you need to calm down. Yeah. And that's not think so hard about no, it. No, that's that. Well, that's the, that was the fun part for me. I was like, well, wait a minute. If he hadn't beat it, what happens? That's well, a good question. Well, I never, never even thought know. of it. Yeah, I never even thought of it. Um, it's like, is he now responsible for X number of murders? And yeah, you're you're done. <laughs> well, I, so he I, then goes on to have the career of Edward Furlong. I guess that's that's just... what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that my uh, my take on it was it was always a game. It was always going to end. Okay. It was always going to end. It just happened. To, it ended this time when he got shot. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like it ended this time. That's how the game ended. And they say that the game is played because it takes pieces of your, your mind and reads into you and it's things like that. So I think when he got shot at the end, he woke up. And if he was to maybe play it again down the road, it'd be a different game. Yeah. I, th- I think that's that's how I always took <laughs> it. It's funny if on the DVD there was a, a, the alternate ending and it's just a 10-minute movie. He starts <laughs> it. He's like, whoa, that was crazy. And it just <laughs> stops playing. I heard that if you don't beat the game, you have to go and be in the Night of the Demons remake. <laughs> and wear a little tiny ponytail. 
Oh, goodness. Okay, is that all we've got to say on Brain Scan? No, I want to keep making fun of Edward Furlong. <laughs> it's not that we don't like you, Edward I don't Furlong. like you. There you go. <laughs> Instead of affirmative, say, cool, man. <laughs> Hasta la vista. <laughs> all right, Mad Chan. Body Bags, 1993, directed John Carpenter and Tobey Hooper. Tobey. Sorbet. Sorbet. Sorbet Hooper. Toby Hooper. <laughs> Writers Billy Brown and Dan Angel. Now, y'all going to have to give... Now, this is an anthology movie, like we said before. So, The Wraparound in the Morgue stars John Carpenter, Tom Arnold, and Toby Hooper. Then we have the first segment called the... Do you want to take them segment by segment? Or you just want me to announce everybody now? Um... Announce it all now. Okay, the gas station, uh, starring my favorite man, Robert Carradine, uh, Alex Datcher, Wes Craven, Sam Raimi, and David Naughton. <laughs> Love that. Uh, the hair segment, starring my man Casey Casey Steech, Stacy Keach, <laughs> David Warner, Sheena Easton, Greg Nicotero, and Debbie Harry from Blondie, and then the Eye, which is the best segment by, in my opinion, starring Mark Hamill, Roger Corman, and Twiggy. Of all people, playing his wife. I thought that was awesome, too. Man. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's it's great and mediocre at the same time. Can we say that? Mm-hmm. Agreed. <laughs> it's great and mediocre at the same time. Uh, I love just the way this whole movie looks. Yes. Everything about this. And I'm a sucker for anthology movies. Right. I love a 15-minute segment that I can just get into and get out of. And if it's not that great, it's over before you realize it. You know what I mean? Right. So like, um, I really, really, really like this movie. It's not a masterpiece by any means. It's a good Friday night movie. Oh yeah. It's a great definitely. popcorn and beer movie. Oh, definitely, man. I, I do want to point out that, uh, the great K and B worked on this movie, but they also worked on it with the legend, Rick Baker. Oh, yeah. yeah. They you all get to work- see the inn walking his dog. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I thought that was uh, I thought that was really awesome, man, that you get to see a lot of different minds working together on this. So many cameos in this movie. Oh, so great. I just pointed them out, but yeah. I, I don't think I even hit all of them. Yeah. Uh, Hooper is in the movie at the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With that's, Tom Arnold. That's right. Yeah. Tom <laughs> Arnold and Hooper. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, and. I love, and I have found, it's funny because, like, as you brought up earlier, Killer POV, we're not trying to pimp their podcast, but we do like it a lot. I don't listen to them. Okay. I'm just just trying to bring everybody back down. (laughs) Um, But they often, anytime Body Bags comes up, they discuss how they don't like Carpenter doing the wraparound stuff. Oh, dude, he was hilarious. I love Carpenter. I can totally see that being no middle. Like, you either do or you don't. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I can get that. I personally thought he was fine. I, I enjoy too. it. I thought it was funny. It's like, well, it. yeah, everybody knows him as one of the masters of horror. Yeah. It's fun to watch him have fun. And Yeah, a guy, a man of few words, right. a very serious man in all interviews. He never cares to elaborate or say much. He just wants his Winston cigarettes and his Miller drafts, you know? Yep. And, like, he's on screen having fun as a mortician. Yeah. A creepy one. It's so funny. I loved it. I loved it. So, yeah, we get that. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Any other initial thoughts you guys want to throw out before we break uh, it down? I, I liked all the segments of this movie. I thought each one was well told. Uh, the acting in them, I, unlike what you would expect from an anthology, because everyone's in an anthology film, you always got that one that you don't like. Mm-hmm. I liked all three of these. I really did. I liked one better than the other two, but I liked all three of these, man. Yeah. 
Professor, initial thoughts? I love anthology films. Um, This is right in that mix. It's it's just a blast. And especially if you know a little bit about horror, it's even more fun than the usual anthology film just because it's riddled, obviously, like we talked about with so many cameos. Um, I don't know. I didn't look it up. It says Showtime Presents. Was this solely on Showtime? Uh, It was supposed to be the anthology was supposed to be a Showtime original show. And this was the basically the pilot they just for that, and they before it was even over, I guess they pulled. I guess they. But there was the no plug. theatrical on this. No, this was no, just no. It was a show, it was for Showtime. Gotcha. Yeah, like uh, if you watch the if you watch your Blu-ray special features, uh, Carpenter talks about it a little cool. bit in one of in one of the featurettes. It's it was a Showtime thing. That's where I took that and got that information. Cool. From. Yeah, no, all, I've, ever since I saw this, liked it, was excited when you picked it. Yeah. Knew it would be a fun one to cover. Cool. Well, let's go into them one by one. Uh, we start with my favorite segment. Now, I don't think it's the scariest one, but it's my favorite one. My favorite one is the gas station. Same, right on. Same here. Lot oh, of, right on. A lot of fun. A lot of great suspense. Um, you've got a girl who is starting her job at a new gas station. Because I think we gather she's worked at another one before. So this isn't her first night in one of the gas stations, just at this one. Right. And uh, uh, Ramy, Sam, wait. Yeah. Sam? yeah. Yeah, it's Sam. Sam is the guy who relieves her. Or, I mean, lets her in, right? No. No. That's no. Carradine. That's oh, that's Carradine. right. That's right. It's Bobby yeah. Ramy's employee Ramey's of the month. employee of the month. He's in the picture, right? He's the one that's supposed to be coming in later, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, she comes in and everything, like... You know, it's got to be what you would imagine working at a late night gas station would be like. Weirdos, creeps, people trying to hit on you. Craven comes in and he's, you know. Oh, dude, Wes so Craven was creepy. great in this segment. Oh, yeah, Craven so was so good in this. And then you've got like a, a bum who passes out in the bathroom. And you've Buck got, Flowers, he's in like all the Carpenters yeah. movies. Oh, okay, yeah. And then uh, you've got David Naughton as the hotshot in the sports car. Yes. Who forgets his credit card. Nope. Um, and then, uh, yeah, what's um, what's the setup? I forget what brings the guy, the, the killer in. In terms of, like, how do we reveal him or why do we see him? Yeah, well, why do we see him? Well, he's just, they're reporting it all over the news. Out in the area. That's right. And that he's oh, out, yeah, because he's like, out. I feel guilty leaving you tonight. Right, on her first night. Because out there by herself. Because going on. But yeah. if you need anything, you call <clears throat> me. Right, and Sam Raimi's... Act, the, the, Bobby Carradine has actually killed Sam Raimi. Right. His character. And Raimi, he stuffed him in the locker. And he's taken on his identity. Mm-hmm. He's not the guy that's coming in later. He's the guy. Mm-hmm. Bobby Carradine has taken over for Raimi. Yeah, which I thought was that was brilliant. That was genius because that's how we find out. She's like, he wasn't Bob, you know, because we see that and see his name tag, and yeah, she's like, oh, and then he comes out with that sledgehammer, son. Like yeah. Bobby Carradine was awesome in this man. I just got to point that out. So good. It was well acted. I love the camera shots in this movie. Mm-hmm. That shot of her walking out to the service station. Yeah, that low awesome. camera shot following her legs. Right. I mean, that's just that's. You can't. That's like what your brain thinks of when you're psyching yourself out in those situations. You kind of see things like the way the camera's giving it to you there. Right. Yeah. Uh, They were outside of a, they were outside of Haddonfield. I love Mm -hmm. that. He's like, did you come from Haddonfield? I love that. What's funny too, is when I was watching this, my brain wasn't looking for it. I just thought to myself, this looks like some of the area in Christine that we deal with out there. Right. And then I was like, oh yeah. John Carpenter. John Carpenter. (laughs) There we go. Have you guys seen the anthology Nightmares? Mm-mm. 
Well, okay. I don't know if this was an ode oh, to the Oh, that guy, he's got the knife fingers. And he's burned up. <laughs> Took me a second. <laughs> it, it was an early 80s anthology film. And I don't know if this was kind of a nod to it or just coincidence. But at the be- the first segment in it is called, I can't remember the name of it now. It's like The Terror or, or maybe it's just Nightmare. But there's an escaped killer and a wife goes out to buy cigarettes. And a lot of it is like this. But it's brief. You know how a lot of times anthologies will pump one out real quick? Mm-hmm. And that was the problem with that is I love that one because there's this, there's an escaped killer on the loose. They don't know where he is. It's kind of just killing people everywhere. And the husband's pleading don't go out. Anyways, it results in, spoiler, uh, the killer's actually in her back seat. Oh, and we switch it that. around when the guy from the gas station comes out. He's actually coming out to save her because he right. sees him. The, the traditional urban legend. Yeah, you yeah. got that classic kind. But it's so brief. Whereas a lot of that same vibe and it just feels like it, except we get a drawn out fun segment in this one. So it kind of fills the hunger that nightmares creates with that first one. But yeah, I I like this from start to finish. I think the pacing's always strong. It never, it doesn't go on too long, um, which is the biggest problem with anthologies is it seems like the best ones are always too short and right. The other ones are just too long. And let's be honest. I mean, for an anthology film, this was audacious to only do three segments. Yeah, it you really know? was. It, as opposed to having a, a couple of short ones in there or just a fourth fourth one. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Matt Chan, any thoughts on this segment? Um, I really, like I said, I like this segment. Um, I keep saying it over and over again. I thought Bobby Carradine was amazing in this segment. Because he was trying to, I mean, he had that. He was Lewis Skolnick for a long time. He did all four of those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, this was kind of, it was, I thought it was neat because it was a complete 180. It was the first time I had seen him in a 180. You know, I got to see him outside of that role. I've seen a couple other movies he was in. Um, I did think the Sam Raimi thing was cool. I thought uh, I liked Wes Craven. Um, I can tell you honestly, I didn't recognize David Naughton the first time I seen this, but going through this last time after all the time we've spent with him. Yeah, <laughs> Not really. Sweet you know, the, memories we've that, made. Yeah, especially Grizz over here. But no, that was a, just a nod at Grizz. But I, I mean, I really like this segment. I think my favorite part was the blood squirting out at the end. Oh, man. I thought that was just... Rush. I mean, yeah. everything else was... Him him knocking through that window, that actual and that was actual glass that he was mm-hmm. hammering through. That was cool. But this that one little scene at the end where the blood just comes squirting out of him. I was like, there we go. That's amazing. Yeah. I like that. I clapped. Because see, I take... Awesome. I take notes in like order as I'm watching them. I'll just jot things down. So most of the time, my notes are read like this: Why does this chick keep leaving the booth? Don't go check out that truck, bitch. Lock yourself back inside and don't come out. Like those are my notes. Take and, the keys. But then every once in a while, I put that one in there. I was like, Robert Carradine's creepy. I love him, and that's nice. So I liked it. All right, let's move on to the next segment, which was the hair. The hair. The- did they have titles for these segments? I don't think they did. Yeah. Oh, did they? It was just called The Hair? Yeah. Okay. All right. It's the, it's the gas station, the hair, and the eye. Gotcha. Yeah. Stacy Keach. Poor Stacy Keach <laughs> is, is just concerned about his hair, and he's got a beautiful girlfriend, and he's like, you're just going to leave me. You're going <laughs> to leave me because my hair is going thin, and I know that me and Mad Chan, we sympathize with this character very much. Dude, that's my exact notice. <laughs> been thinning and going bald since i was 19 this guy's a vain prick <laughs> he is a jerk <laughs> she's like she continually tells him i don't care and he he's not hearing it he's trying everything he's getting his head painted he's, he's like, like i love sheena easton so much i gotta, gotta stay hot looking for 
And uh, and then finally, he finds some place that is going to do a special hair transplant and make him have this long, beautiful hair. And he's even more vain about that when he gets it because he just thinks he's hot stuff. But there's a twist coming, folks. You can imagine. Uh, initial thoughts on this segment. Fun. Yeah. I'm going to say my least favorite of the three. Yeah. But still fun. It's just a blast. It makes the other two, the the, the serious nature of them, work better. Yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah. know, a little break in the middle. I, silly not break. my favorite, but I'll take it. When he's walk, when he's watching the people walk down the street, uh, I, for us horror fans, it's, it's fun. It's a little bit funner, but he's watching these people walk down the street. And they all got this long flowing hair, mm-hmm. and then the third guy's Greg Nicotero, and his dog got long dog hair with his long flowing hair, and his dog's got long hair. Yeah, I did, it made me chuckle. I was just like, man, that's fun. And then little things like uh, I put ex- extract of er, extract of lamb fetus was the name of my first band because that's <laughs> that stuff he was putting on his head. Yeah, when she kisses him and the paint comes off on oh, her mouth. Man, yeah, <laughs> there's just so her. much about this movie that just so made me good. chuckle first, man. And of course, Keach is just brilliant. Yeah, well, and that's really that's what's fun to watch him in this role too, being like Mister Sensitive, Vulnerable, Insecure, because he's always played this just virile tough ass Abrasive. like whether he's you know mike hammer or he's you know the guy in american history x he's, right. he's just he's always stacy keach he played martin luther church reformer in an early martin luther biopic did he really yeah he was also on, <laughs> he was also on titus on all three seasons but anyway <laughs> but yeah that was fun to watch him kind of you can tell he's having fun with it right and he, there's this one line he has this uh when he's he's looking in the mirror and he's like uh it's a really sad case he says please let me love me again and I was just, and for, like in the middle of all this chuckling and horror movie, I was like, damn. It's like, oh. like, I was like, you know, because you got to imagine people really feel like that. Oh, yeah. And he really captured that. Like, he's like, please let me love me again. And I'm like, oh, damn. Like, I wrote that down verbatim. I was like, that just hit me real quick out yeah. of there. Because it wasn't about he wanted to be vain. It was literally like he wanted the the umph, the, yeah. the, the what's it called? The, the swag. He wanted his swag back. He wanted the- his. Panache. Yeah, there you go. He <laughs> wanted to have all that back into him, which we find out later when he gets a little bit of hair, he's overboard. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this one's a lot of fun. Um, so as we go, the twist becomes the hair is out of control. Yeah. <laughs> he can't stop the hair. And he tries. He goes back to the doctor to find out what's going on. And we find out that the hair is aliens. aliens. Oh. <laughs> little alien worms. <laughs> And <laughs> just at that point, you're like, all right, I'm with it. Let's yeah. keep going. David Warner gives that great speech. Oh, yeah. He was, he was great. Deborah Harry was great yeah, with the dude. way she's like just driven nuts by the uh, the selections he's making. <laughs> yeah. she, she was great as that. And I, I mean, I, I feel like it's important to point out I love his choice. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are all kinds of other options that we scroll through, and he gets to the, the one that just looks. You know, it's his full mane of hair. It's like just Fabio. Ridiculous. He should be walking down Sunset Strip with the hair. Yeah. yeah. No, the, I, so yeah. funny. Yeah, the, the twist at that point, I think they could have done anything and been fine. Yeah. Can, can I just throw this out here? I Obviously, there's always uh, endless red tape and reasons why things can't happen. But just as a fan, I would have loved to have seen Cronenberg do this one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so then have Carpenter, Cronenberg, Hooper. Right. Because with the body horror, oh, he would have been cool with oh, that. Yeah. But. He wouldn't have made it as fun as this. So. Right. Who directed this one? Carpenter. Carpenter. Oh, okay. Carpenter did the first two. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. 
uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, yeah, Warner has that line. He said, "You earthlings and your vanity." Mm-hmm. And my, I was like, "Oh my god!" It's like that's how they're going to get us. That's how we're going that's out. Because it. it's true. He's like, yeah. "You earthlings and your vanity." Oh, oh yeah. man! And then my final note was: Stacy Keach looked at the end of that sketch how I feel most days. He had the hair coming out <laughs> everywhere, just laid up. Like, that's how I feel most days walking around like this. <laughs> oh boy, that tickled me. That tickled me. What a treat! What a treat! <laughs> what a treat. All right, so uh, round and third and head and home, we go with the, the eye. eye. Probably the best acting Mark Hamill has ever done. Oh, my God. Mark Hamill hit a home run. Not only because he was a baseball <laughs> pun player. Intended. Pun intended. But Mark Hamill hit a home run with this. So this segment is uh, Mark Hamill is a semi-pro baseball player, right? right. He's not pro mm-hmm. yet. Semi-pro. And After the, he plays the game of his life. That's right. When we meet, meet up with the yeah, story. Yeah, and he's getting ready to get called up to the bigs. And he takes a ball to the eye. Yep. And he's lost his eye. And... But they're ready to try an experimental procedure. Takes a ball to the uh, oh, glass shard. Oh, that's right. It was an accident. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Why I keep mixing up my stories? Today. <laughs> he's like, I'm he so the, hungry. He like, takes a so ball to the eye. Right I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's not what happened. Did you watch this movie, bro? Did another, you even Carpenter? Bro? That was so another neat. inspirational sports movie I saw. Which one? I can't remember. <laughs> I just want to eat. I'm so hungry, guys. I'm okay, so hungry. never mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mark Hamill's in a, he's in an accident an and accident. takes a shark. Yeah, because there's that great the scene when the bystanders pull up and the and reaction when the guy them. comes up and he goes, oh, and turns his wife's <laughs> face away. Like, if you've had something scary happen and that's the first contact you have is a guy going, oh, and turning his <laughs> wife's face away, things are not good. Yeah. Right, dude. Yeah. So please forgive me. Uh, so, yeah, he takes the shard to the eye and... Um, He's like, oh, I can't do this. I'm never going to play again. And they're like, well, we've got an experimental procedure. And they get him a new eye, but something's not right about it. Initial thoughts. Oh, dude, I, I love this one. This is a good segment. Oh, it, it really was, man. Um, Yeah, I enjoy this one. It's my second favorite. I, yeah, I'd say right in second. Uh, it, it almost it almost will take you back with how dark and gruesome it gets for an anthology yeah that's that's the real notable thing i think for this segment and this, this is the toby hooper one yeah oh yeah gotta point that out yeah <laughs> uh yeah it's just good i mean just from the biblical stuff like hamill walking around like reading the bible and quoting it and he's having those flashbacks oh because, brother spoiler folks the eye came from a killer yeah so he has flashbacks to what the killer was doing and like he'll go in and out of uh, well, Mad Chan. What's the the main sequence that you're excited to talk about? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> your your favorite your favorite part in the, this one? Oh the the oh that's not my favorite part. <laughs> don't make don't make me be that guy. No no that's not my favorite part. Balls. I mean I, I don't I don't care that we see Mark Hamill's nuts in this movie, <laughs> but I mean no there is that sequence where he sees uh where the killer has crept in and you can see the killer's starting to take over half of his life because he sees. Um, the dead mother, the killer's mother, and his wife while he's making love to her, and he starts hurting her, and we keep flashing in between him making love to a corpse and making love to his wife, yeah. and it was freaky scary. But um, but that's not my my favorite part. You've already <laughs> mentioned my favorite part was him pacing back and forth reciting Bible verses. That was scarier than anything else in this movie, and probably 
the show that we've covered today because he has this thing about him. Like, he's just got this seriousness that you don't, ex- you know, it's Luke Skywalker, man. Yeah. It's, I mean, I mean he's, the, he's my favorite Joker, but to hear the, to watch this guy pace back and forth with the Bible open, like reading scripture from it, he was horrifying. Oh, yeah. He drug her downstairs and tied her to the table by her own hair. Yeah. That was, I mean, that did it for That's me. brutal. Seriously, like, I immediately, not, re- I immediately tweeted at him i was like mark dude just watch body bags again you're fucking amazing like I, nice balls dude seriously i don't i don't know man and then the end of this do you want to get to the end yeah take us there oh uh, dude the best ending ever man and he stabs himself in the eye he figures out what's going on he stabs himself at the eye and then we lingo and then the bible's open if thy right eye offends thee pluck it out and cast it away from thee and i'm just like like literally, I slow clapped the shit out of that. Nicole wouldn't join me, but I slow clapped the <laughs> shit out of that. I was like, "Oh god!" Should have had somebody pluck it out. <laughs> Dude. He just stabbed it. <laughs> oh man, I just I don't know, man. Mark, like he killed it. That everything at the end when he starts, dig- I gotta go dig your grave. Oh, oh my goodness, man, yeah. dude! Like that started getting me, man. Like yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah. imagery wow. with the body coming up out of the dirt back oh, right there. Yeah. A lot of cool stuff. Yeah. I just I, Mark Hamill gives one of the best performances I've seen in a horror movie. Great movie. Does anybody, do you know what year Village of the Damned was? Mm, I'd say like what year was this? Ninety three. That's probably like two or three years later, maybe. Okay, because yeah. I'm, I'm thinking that maybe I'm thinking that's that why far. Mark Hamill gets his role in Village yeah, of the Damned. Yeah, might have been the next so, year even. Because Carpenter did Village of the Damned. Mm. I just I know that they've worked together on that, and I was just wondering. I'll, I'll look that up here in a minute. Yeah, it's like cool. right towards the end of his great run. Yeah, dude, do you want to include you know Damned? That's up for debate. Many would, I, but, I like but it. after that, it, you know, you kind of start to Carpenter become a little disenchanted with the yeah. Oh man, his vampires movie was killer. <laughs> well, is that all right. Bon I got yelled at for falling asleep while I was a projectionist for it. I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we come back and we get back to Carpenter as the his right eye offends. You know, go <laughs> sorry. Get back to the morgue attendant and. Uh, He's zipping himself into a body bag. Zipping himself into a body bag. After he just had a formaldehyde martini with an eyeball in it. And uh, and then, you know, Tom Arnold and uh, Toby Hooper walk in as the... As the actual morgue attendants we find out. Carpenter's a dead body. Yep. So, this is a lot of fun. I I can't uh, recommend this enough. I mean, we spoiled everything, but if you guys still feel like watching it, (laughs) do it. Worth owning. We didn't give you anything yet, buy it. Uh, and it's a great Screen Factory release. Yes. So, uh, good stuff. All right. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up here? Oh, no, man. I I, um, I liked all three of these movies. Uh, definitely go out and get Body Bags. Like, I, Brain Scan was my pick. But, I mean, out of the three, I'd tell you to buy Body Bags. Yeah, Body Bags, I think, is definitely the best of the three. But, I mean, they're all... They're all, yeah, they're all worth watching. Give, a, give it a while. They're all yeah. dramatically different movies. Body yeah, Bags yeah. would be the only one I would be... Confident in recommending across the board to that's, people. See, to that's buy. What, that's why plenty of people that would want to own either, but body right. bags, that's just like no brainer. Go out and buy it. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely, man. Support screen. Especially if we're doing such a good job with a showtime movie. Yeah. Oh, you know definitely. I mean? like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go yeah. out and get that. That's cool. And if you like Jack Connors, go buy a tourist. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I like that. <laughs> Very good. All right, friends. We're wrapping up another exciting and wacky episode of the Monster Mash. I am uh, one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, joined by my dudes. Uh, Matt Chan. Professor Waxed Out. All right, dear friends. Stay scary. Nice ball, too.